This is a Therapy for Dads podcast. I'm your host. My name is Travis. I'm a therapist, a dad, a husband. Here at Therapy for Dads, we're reclaiming the narrative of fatherhood, one story at a time. You can follow the journey on Instagram at Therapy for Dads and our website, www.therapyfordads.com. Welcome. Welcome, Chaz, to the Therapy for Dads podcast. I'm excited to have you on, and uh, I want to give a quick intro to Chaz. This is actually a first of many upcoming podcast guests that will be on the show that are actually not currently uh, fathers and sometimes not even men. I'm going to have some upcoming women on the show guests to talk about men's mental health and some other uh, fun topics, but today is our first, who is Chaz, who, for those of you who don't know him, will know him as Mr. Chaz, and a quick bio is that his mission is to help adults truly see, guide, and trust children. He has appeared on platforms like Good Morning, America, Yahoo, and Parents.com talking about his approach. He runs a podcast called Mr. Chaz's Leadership, Parenting, and Teaching Podcast, as well as he supports and coaches more than 400 people in his Patreon community. And he is also quite active on the big social media platforms currently of TikTok and Instagram. And actually, that's how I stumbled upon, well, Mr. Chaz was on Instagram in his heartwarming videos, um, teaching about emotions. And I think the one that I first saw was the hand, was the hand washing one uh, during COVID, was the <laughs> hand washing song, which I've uh, used with my boys. <laughs> and I used it and did the whole thing and, it, and I'll tell you it works for the most part if they're in but it gets them going so welcome Chaz to the show how you doing this morning I'm doing well this morning um, I'm excited to talk to your audience and hopefully I'm able to help some people or just share some insight I'm excited um, so that's your quick little bio but can, can you speak a little bit more about that for just another kind of expand on your quick bio and kind of what you do and yeah your, your let me passion? tell you a little bit more about me and kind of how I got here and all this stuff um, so I actually started off as a Montessori teacher um, and I was I started off as a Montessori teacher and when I first started in the room I really struggled really did not know what I was doing and that was really, really difficult for me. Um, over time, through trainings, podcasting, reading, finding mentors, I grew, I, you know, became better and more confident in what I was doing and just had a better understanding of children. I've made all the same classic mistakes that other adults make, like trying to solve emotional problems with logic and reasoning. And, you know, over time, I got better. Uh, and people started to ask me for my kind of suggestions and just kind of how I would handle certain situations with children who were challenging them. And at this point, I kind of had gained a reputation of kind of being able to work with the children who challenged other teachers. You know, when a child wasn't successful in another classroom, they would say like, okay, well, maybe Mr. Chaz's room, you'll be a little bit more successful. Um, and so I kind of gained that rep that reputation. So people started to ask me questions. Mm -hmm. I started to kind of casually give 
suggestions of just kind of what I would do. I would kind of solve certain problems. They would come back and they'd be like, wow, that really changed my entire day. That changed, that was a game changer. It changed the child's day, changed my day. Um, and that's when a light bulb went off for me that if I love being able to impact my little community of humans. But if I could, if I could share you know, if I could help teachers, um, then my impact could be exponential. If I could kind of share the lessons that I had learned on my journey, then my impact could be exponential and I could impact thousands of children. So I became an educational specialist and my role was to teach teachers to teach and do trainings and, you know, work with teachers inside, outside of the classroom and really a hundred million one other things just because hmm. early childhood. Um, but I worked with 10 different schools and I was in charge of the education portion of those 10 different early childhood facilities. And even that was a great learning experience as I was, even as I was doing a lot of teaching and mentoring and guiding and training, um, still able to learn a lot just from, you know, being able to interact with such, so many different children and try these strategies out on so many different children and so many different situations and different mm -hmm. demographics and different cultures and different teachers and, 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 and all these things. So I've been doing that for a while, then pandemic hit and teachers went home, kids went home. School was open, and so there were a few kids in there, but not like normal. And that's where I really started to see, you know, parents really struggling with this new challenge that they were tasked with, with being the everything for children 24-7 all the time. Um, and, you know, like a lot of people on social media at the time at the time, just kind of watching, listening, looking. And a lot of the challenges that parents were talking about were things that, I had, um, I thought I had some insight on. Um, hmm. Some things were kind of simple suggestions like the hand-washing song, and some things <laughs> went a lot deeper. Um, yeah. But I just started making TikTok videos, um, and my thought process was if I can make short videos that are enjoyable to consume, but you feel like your perspective has grown a little bit or you have a new hmm. tool or you've learned something by the end of the video that I can make a pretty big impact and I can help a lot of people out there. So I started doing that and, you know, just I started making the TikTok videos and the shit on Instagram and Facebook and those platforms kind of blew up and, you know, people started like it really resonated with people so people started sharing it and, and blowing hmm. up and helping people and really it's been I'm really grateful to get messages all the time probably every day people saying that like you've you know changed the way that you know, there's relationship that i have with you know my child and you know you've you've made life so much easier you've helped me see mm -hmm. things in such a, uh, a healthier way and um that is really so fulfilling to me to be able to help so many people and hopefully i can help in this podcast hopefully um you know yeah. i don't know for how much we're going to be talking about strategies and all that but hopefully even through yeah. my story and even i'm, I'm going to sneak some of those strategies in there so that even as you're listening and you're you know you're, you may be curious about me you're hearing also some of those like tools or perspectives or tips that um, will help you and your you know, relationship with your child. And a lot of what I talk about is not just applicable to your relationship with your child, but it's also applicable to all your relationships, your relationship with your partner, your relationship with your, you know, maybe your boss, your leaders, you know, your colleagues, um, your friends. Um, hmm. And so hopefully, um, 
even as I'm talking today, that you, you'll be able to get a little bit of that. And and that turned into the podcast because even with the, you know, I said short, enjoyable to consume, but you feel like you've grown something, you have a new tool. That's all well and good, but there's still only so much that you can, you know, yeah. communicate in a one minute TikTok. So I created the podcast for primarily to, for multiple reasons, but the big reasons were so I can dive deeper into the nuance of hmm. the of, of the conversations that all were really important to have and to kind of hit things at different angles and also to introduce um, parents, teachers, you know, caregivers to resources that can help them on their journey. So not only are you hearing and learning from me, every podcast episode is a person, it might be an OT or an SL or a speech language pathologist or, a, you know, clinical psychologist, all these people with different perspectives, therapists with different perspectives um, and kind of different, maybe even different approaches that can, hmm. that may resonate with you that you can, that you can then adopt and kind of curate, put into your own social media feed or your own, you know, environment hmm. community of, of support because community is really important too. And community can sometimes, and with social media, it can sometimes it can pull us away from community, but it can also pull us together. Um, so I really try to use that as a way to kind of, the social media and podcasting is a way to pull us together and pull resources to you to help you on your journey because hmm. it is a journey. There is no destination. There is no mountaintop of perfect parenting that anyone will ever reach it doesn't exist yep. if you've seen it on instagram it's a lie like it's just like it's curated right so yeah that's a little bit about me and kind of what i'm doing and how i got here well i, I appreciate that Chaz. um and i love that last part you said about community creating community it's that that idea and uh, at least for me what i heard is it's that you know it takes a village that really is creating a community of support for yourself for parents for kids that, and that's a big part of what I do too on this platform and on my Instagram is creating a community of men, of fathers, of women that support, that are all about men's mental health and, and helping dads, helping men and, and seeing the benefit of the community that no, we're, if we create a community of love and support, gosh, it is so much better than a community of competition and, you know, single oneness and trying to make my name great. But no, if we're really trying to support and help and love, you see change made. You see people begin to shift and we really begin to, to see something different occurring than, you know, what you see on the media and on the news of all the all, of all the people who aren't working in a loving community love uh, focused way. <laughs> we see yeah. more of the, the dissonance out there. So I love that that's a big part of your heart and I could totally tell that it is. It's clearly evident that that is part of your passion. And um, part of why I wanted you on the show too is because trying to create a community of support from perspectives that are different and, and to really help each other on this journey that we are all we are all journeying, myself included, like you said. And I say this every episode of my podcast. I talk about this when I'm doing therapy with clients in my office behind closed doors. I talk about this on my, you know, one minute or 30 second reels. Half the time it's like, yes, I'm a trained therapist and I have letters behind my name, but I'm a human just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. I have to practice the skills just like everybody else. Yeah. I am far from perfect. I make mistakes. And I and I tell dads, I tell people, Mike, part of making mistakes is the opportunity to then repair and heal the rift within the relationship, which is I are, would argue and posit and I've read all research on this is far more uh, uh, important to model that, to 
not, you know, with even our adult relationships as well as our kids to show them what it looks like to have healthy conflict, to repair, to heal, to take ownership and to love. Um, and I tell people that I'm like, Hey, that's, that's why is that exists <laughs> is so it gives you the opportunity to do this. Um, so there really isn't any failing. Uh, it's yeah. all about learning and, and growing. Oh, so yeah, no, man. And I could talk about apologies for days, uh, <clears throat> and talk about like making mistakes and like the, the power of making mistakes. Cause mm. like that is where that, that conflict, like conflict is an opportunity for learning. And, you know, if that conflict did happen. Yeah. That means that there's a rift and maybe an understanding or a gap in a, a skill or knowledge or, and, and when we, the, the hesitation, the temptation is to hide our mistakes and to try to appear like we're perfect and not let people see our mistakes. And, yeah. you know, I think a part of that contributes to a lot of our childhoods or just how mistakes were treated, right? Mm -hmm. How, you know, it, for most of us growing up in kind of traditional parenting, it wasn't okay to make mistakes because mm -hmm. it meant that, you know, we would be maybe ostracized from the group or, you know, or, you know, in a lot of cases hit and, you know, extremely shamed and not helped and not understood and not mm. seen and not supported. And so like we become adults and we still have that same kind of feeling around mistakes. So just, we still feel like that little kid that we're going to be chastised and, and mm. maybe even in some environments that I would say not very healthy environments that, that is what happens. And mm. so like we will hide our mistakes, but those mistakes are the opportunity to, to, to acknowledge, like, okay, like I messed up, like I did something, you know, and it hurt you. And I feel bad about that to, 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 to put ourselves into someone else's like perspective and not just like, not just taking a walk in their shoes, but imagining how those shoes must feel when, mm you know, with their rock, with the rocks that they have in their particular shoes, like what their experience really is. And to yeah. take that moment to not only empathize, but also to, you know, because people with, you know, I talk about teaching children how to apologize and like, okay, I, I can't apologize, but they just like, you know, they just like apologize and just like run away or just like, it doesn't mean anything. It's like, you gotta <laughs> be thoughtful. Like the point of an, an, an apology is not just to say it. It's not a get out of jail free card. It's, it is a time to repair. Right. So like, right. are we talking about like, you know, how we're going to make it better? Are we talking mm. about how, mm. you know, what we're going to do next time instead when we're faced yeah. with this challenge? Because that's like one of the most important parts. Okay. This happened. I am sorry about it, but what will I try to do instead next time? And a lot of times, because we're so busy defending ourselves and trying to pretend like we didn't have mistakes, we don't even go to that thought. All of our resources are into defending ourselves and to protecting mm -hmm. ourselves because we feel vulnerable and we're, un and we're uncomfortable with that. And, and, and we don't even go to the, okay, what can I do better? How can I improve next mm -hmm. time? A lot of the times. Um, and so... Yeah, just like embracing, just knowing that the mistakes are an essential part of the learning process. So mm -hmm. if you're learning anything new, you're going to make mistakes. Like you need those mistakes to learn from. Um, right. and, and it's not just true for learning karate or learning how to knit or learning how to skateboard or ski. Or it's true for learning how to navigate 
relationships, especially relationships, you know, it's your first time being a parent. It's your first time being a parent to a two-year-old. It's your first time being a parent to a three-year-old while you have a one-year-old. It's your first time being parent to a, you know, four-and-a-half-year-old while you have a two-and-a-half-year-old while you have a newborn. Like, it's, you're so expect, like, know that as you're going on the journey, that there are going to be bumps and like hills and ditches and all those things. And if we go on the journey, expecting those things, looking, you know, kind of like looking at, looking out for those things, expecting that those things are going to happen. Right. Then when the ditch comes up, one, we might fall in the ditch. It might happen. And we might have to spend time trying to, you know, climb out of the ditch. But then we're like, hmm, okay. We can kind of take ourselves back to that moment and be like, huh, I was looking up at the trees or at the birds or hmm. something else. Maybe next time, like as I walk through in the journey, maybe I can, I, when I see the, uh, you know, like <laughs> the old school, I'm imagining the old school, like uh, the net with the oh, leaves yeah. over it. When yeah. I see like a pile of leaves, yeah. I'll know to kind of like maybe test and put my foot on it and not just like run straight straight through it. I've learned from that. I can, mm. I can walk around it now or or maybe I choose to jump over it, right? Or, you know, or maybe I put a board on top of it and I walk over it, right? Mm. Now that I'm expecting the mistake and when the mistake happens, instead of beating myself up because I'm, I'm in the hole, I'm in the hole again. Yeah. We could do the work to get out of get out of the hole, try to make it better, repair mm-hmm. as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And then okay, how can I how can I continue on the journey and make it less likely that I'm gonna fall into this hole again? Right. Um, right. Um, so yeah, mistakes are an essential part of the learning process. Don't be a, avoid being a perfectionist, be an improvementist. The goal isn't to be perfect every day, the goal is to improve. A little mm, every day. Mm, completely well said. And, and that's what I try and teach my clients too is because we're, at least from my perspective, and I want to hear your perspective, like what the ultimate goal is. My guess is the same. <laughs> but I mean, because really the ultimate goal is, is so when they're adults, so when they're our age, when they have adult relationships, they know how to deal and navigate difficult conversations. Moments when they miss their partner or their friends, when they're able to really understand their emotional reaction and why and to own and to heal so they have a healthy conflict so they have love and care and i tell clients when i work with couples part of my goal with them is teaching them to have love and affection in conflict to still care for their partner mm. in conflict mm. that it doesn't have to be this isolation that we're we are now separate because of it and i think yeah. Without the healthy model, that's where we naturally go. And that's when couples come to see me because their model for conflict was uh, you don't own your mistakes. You don't take responsibility. You just get quiet. You just, you know, shut up. Just, you know, there was no model. Sorry, there was a model. (laughs) The model was to not heal, to not repair. It was just to go, go in your room until things settle down, you know. Don't, don't, you know, when you're done crying, you're upset, then come out and be, you know, be normal again, right? Or, or, you know, in some cases, abuse would happen and they'd be hit or something else would occur when they had big emotions or when there was conflict and the parents never modeled. Hey, I'm sorry for yelling. I'm sorry for raising my voice. That wasn't okay. 
their model was, oh no, it's just parents are right and I'm always wrong. And so I often want to get adult couples in my office. It's going back to their childhood. And I say, hey, what was it? What was it? What was modeled to you in conflict? What did your parents model to you? What emotions were okay? When they made a mistake, did they own it? And they're often saying, no, we didn't talk about that. And so then they wonder why. I'm like, well, now look at the present. Now think about why it's hard now as an adult to heal and love and have care in the midst of conflict. Yeah. So I'm wondering you know, how does that resonate with you? What is your ultimate goal when you're teaching kids Yeah, and to model with conflict and, and repair? What is your ultimate goal? Yeah. So, you know, the first thing I'd like to say in this is that like, that there is no destination. There's only the journey, right? Your mm-hmm. parenting, as you just kind of talked about, like the way that you are dealing with conflict now and how you probably feel about a lot of things in in parenting or things that are really challenging or really triggering for you. Those didn't start when you became a parent. Those started before you. Those started when you started life, when you were a child. And your journey as a parent, as a person, started before you, right? It Mm -hmm. started with your parents and kind of the things Mm -hmm. that they, the environment that they grew up in and the culture and the, the things that were modeled to them and what was acceptable and they then passed a lot of that stuff on you. And not to say that you're the exact copy because you grew up in a different time with different friends, with different experiences, but, you know, maybe similar kind of upbringing or similar ways of dealing things, especially, if, you know, your parents weren't conscious of the way that they were, you know, parenting. They just kind of just did it the way that just because it was the way that I was raised. Right. Mm-hmm. And knowing that, okay, so now you are a parent and knowing that you're kind of continuing this journey and the journey does not stop with this, with, with your child, right? Like it continues, right? Cause then they're mm-hmm. going to take the things that they learned from you and they're going to build off of that. And then they're going to teach their children. You're not just raising your children, you're raising your children's children. So mm-hmm. the first thing to acknowledge is that like, this is, it, it, there is no destination. There is only the journey. First thing. Mm. Now in that journey, I look at it as emotions as kind of, they're the kind of the GPS system. And, and, and a lot of us have been kind of been taught to ignore GPS system, ignore, you know, what our feelings are telling us. But there's not mm. only the GPS is like, that's not me. That's, that's what our vehicle body has kind of, you know, we've come with emotions that are which are messages from the body but we also need these healthy kind of tools we also mm. need to make sure the wheels on the car are they're not ball like they're that like we are kind of taking care of the wheels the the steering wheel the seats the all the other parts of the car which i kind of look at as like the healthy communication strategies and ways to solve conflict ways to problem solve and i would look at this is kind of a long way to answer your question i would look at the goal of really them having a functional car that they can continue the journey on they don't feel discomfort inside their body. They know where they're going. They know mm. why they're doing what they're doing because they're so connected with their inner selves. And and not only do they know who they are, why they do things, you know, what lights them up, mm. but they also have the tools to, to get yeah. them there. Yeah. I was having a conversation with about like how to get into college and stick with me here because I know we will talk a lot about like young kids, but this is, it's all going to, 
come back to young kids. You know, this this person I had on my podcast um, who helped people get into like Ivy League schools, they were talking about like, you know, you got to define your core values and mm. you have to kind of like, you know, the toxic way that people like traditional advice, like just do a bunch of extracurriculars and kind of just blanket advice and get just spend a bunch of time, like just trying to get the highest grades and while grades are important, they're not the end all be all for getting into college. You know, college admissions people will say that like it's like Harvard, like Ivy League schools will say that they could admit valedictorians in like classes over and over, but they don't because they want a diverse group of their diverse cohort. Mm-hmm. And so what's really like the the way to get into college, to get into any college, you know, Ivy League college is to figure out what lights you up. Like what, for lack of better words, what pisses you off? I don't know if I'm allowed to say that here, but, but like what, 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 what lights you up, what lights you up and pay attention to that feeling. And there's some, maybe there's something in there that you're passionate about. You know, that thing mm-hmm. that lights you up, that makes you matter, gets really excited. That's something that you can invest in, you know, maybe there's, you know, think about what that is and then Mm. find a project, find your passion project so that you can put that time and energy. That is something that is unique to you and you, you're going to be more likely to do it and be invested Mm. by it and not be so trained by it because it's something that you really care about. But that all starts with very young, us helping children connect to their feelings and their emotions and knowing what lights them up and being able to communicate that mm. and that being a normal thing. So mm. once they get older, you know, whether they're going to college or and they're trying to, you know, find a major or they're picking their passion project or a job, it's not just, oh, this is what people said to do. So I'm just going to do it and just relying on other, because not everything is going to fit you. And the pandemic was a very good uh, example of that. Like not every, everyone has different situations. Not every thing is going to fit to you and your situation and your family and who you are. We need to make decisions based on ourselves, not just based off of what a majority of people say or what other people think. And that's how people end up in their kind of midlife crisis or quarter life crisis because people spend their whole lives just trying to appease authority figures or just what other people said. And they don't take uh, you know, account of what they really want or know what they really want or they're disconnected from the, what they really want. Mm. And so they end up just doing the thing. Maybe, you know, maybe they become very successful by society standards. They become a doctor or a lawyer or CEO of something or high position, whatever, or a manager or at a company. And at some point, usually it's like a big life event. And I'm curious, like kind of what your insights are as like a therapist because I'm sure, you know, I imagine people would come to you in these moments, but usually these these big life events like a pandemic or someone mm-hmm. passes away where people it kind of forces people to pause and reflect and like, mm-hmm. what do I really want out of life? Well, like, mm-hmm. what, what do I want though? And some people don't ask themselves that question until they're 40, 50. Some people never really ask them ask themselves that question until the end of their life and they're filled with regret. And I know it's a long way of answering your question, but really helping children connect to their internal world and giving them the very practical strategies to navigate their external world. Yeah, I love that. Um, connecting to their internal world to connect to their external world. The continuity between the two versus the disconnection. I think a, a, a quick reply to what you mentioned about people coming in 
Yeah, I tend to see those people when there is a big disconnect between their internal world and external world. Um, a lot of what I do in therapy uh, as with adults, because um, I primarily work with adults and I'll, I'll see some teens um, as well, but um, kind of older teens, but adults, is going back into childhood and understanding why are they disconnected? What that served for them to be disconnected from their emotional states? Because it serves a purpose. Mm-hmm. And kind of understanding what purpose did it serve them? Mm-hmm. Uh, and often it was a, co- a coping mechanism, survival, things like that. Yeah. And so they kind of had to be disconnected for various reasons. Uh, and so part of what I'm doing is really helping them reintegrate that internal world with their external world mm-hmm. through you know various treatments. Like you know I'll use trauma treatments. Like I'm trained in EMDR and oh, help cool. them... Pr- process trauma and I'm trained, yeah, attachment focused EMDR. So I go um, big attachment lens, kind of that whole, not attachment parenting, which is so, I have a whole concept that I think that's, that's not actually attachment science yeah, yeah. based on attachment science. We have, we can have a whole podcast about attachment parenting, um, but attachment science, the science of attachment and, and that's instilled in EMDR. And so I go back, I'm a big proponent on looking at that early developmental stages and, and kind of how that shaped them to deal with life and how they saw themselves in their viewpoint. And so I'm dealing with that adult who's in their forties, fifties, who might be a manager who might be a CEO, who might be whatever, successful, but there's something not so successful happening internally, which is not okay because they're disconnected. And so helping them kind of reintegrate um, that whole personhood. So, you know, that's what I see to, to answer your question. And I for sure see that. Um, and so because of that, trying to help young children, trying to equip parents, for that's, that's your mission. And my kind of my heart here on this show is to equip, uh, help equip dads, men, to give them the language, to give them the tools and resources, but it often starts with them understanding themselves. Yeah. You know, I think of I think of Dan Siegel's book, Parenting from the Inside Out. It's really trying to understand what happened with you. And Jen, the essence is trying to understand how you were parented and how that shapes you as a parent today, for better, for worse. And what are you parenting out of? What is the driving force? What is the motivation? What what emotions are driving you? What what narrative is driving you to do what you're doing today? And is it healthy? Is it actually skillful? Is it based on whole you know holistic health? Or is there something that we need to look at ourselves and say, okay, that's why I do what I do. That's why I act out of fear. That's maybe why I parent, uh, maybe raising my voice or, or yell or say this because I'm afraid or I feel helpless or hopeless or I feel out of control. And so I use these tactics because that's what happened when I was a kid. And I, I don't know. And so it's that kind of reflective work of, hey, what what do I need to learn as a parent? Because I'll tell you what, as a parent, uh, personally, you know, you think you have patience, you think you have this stuff, but man, you are you are tested with a whole new uh, uh, <laughs> series of patience testing uh, trials, so to speak, that really yeah. test you and grow you, man. That's one thing. I thought I was a patient person, and then I had kids, so <laughs> I have to constantly work on my my threshold, my energy, you know, self-care. So I have that patience. So I have the space to take on my child's emotional states and needs when they're in distress. If I don't have that, oh, I'll resort to raising my voice, not purposely, but because I have nothing left to give. And so I'm so mindful of that and I make mistakes and I repair with my kids. I say, hey, dad was wrong for raising his voice. That's not okay. Dad was tired and frustrated, but that's not okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. And we repair. I'm working on that. I'm taking a breath just like you, right? So I'm working with them. And I think it's a lot of the parenting journey too, is you're journeying even with your kids because you're mm-hmm. in a way you're reparenting yourself. You're finding parts of yourself that you thought were taken care of. And you're like, oh, actually, you know what? I think I need to pay attention to this part of me. Interesting. Okay, what's that? What's going on for me here? What is this really about? And really acknowledging and being okay with that, um, which kind of comes full circle to the whole like repairing and, and, and having the conversation about apologies is, is really be okay with yourself 
to do that too as a parent and, and knowing it's okay if you make mistakes as a parent, you don't have to be perfect because we often think we need to be perfect, right? That's the full circle conversation is we want to be perfect. We want to, you know, we have this idea that, hey, we see these things and we must be this. Like, no, kids don't need perfect. Nope, they don't. They actually need someone who's just showing up and to be authentic and to be real and to model health and, and love and care and affection and support. Um, yeah, because, you know, they're not going to be, they're not going to be perfect either. Nope. And the kids aren't going to be perfect and their kids' no. kids aren't going to be perfect. And you know, that's that's not even the goal. And so mm-hmm. instead of trying to appear perfect and trying to be almost as adults, really trying to be almost like Instagram is to mm-hmm. a lot of us, like trying to appear like perfect and there are like no mistakes. Instead, what is so much more powerful is to show them how to be imperfect. Mm-hmm. Right. That's actually helpful because mm-hmm. no one, you know, trying to show them how to be something that they will never be, they never can be, mm-hmm. will only just like mm-hmm. create a, a gap of feeling of like of, of insecurity of like where oh, I'm yeah. at and where I think that I should be mm-hmm. as opposed to acknowledging, yeah, I'm imperfect. You're imperfect. So you're going to be perfect your whole life. You're going to make mistakes your whole life. So we might as yeah. well learn how to navigate them. Right. Yeah. And learn how to grow from them. And, Gosh. And, and, and yeah, like those moments, like those moments where you struggle, like kids really do force you mm-hmm. to grow. Um, yeah. You know, the alternative is, you know, if you don't grow, it's the, the alternative <laughs> is that people will people will be hurt. Um, yep. And you keep uh, the trauma going then, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> keep passing and, down you know, the trauma. Yeah. You're, you're just going to you're going to pass on the same stuff and, and and a lot of times we're not even conscious right and right you know a lot of people say like it wasn't until i was a, i thought i had de- i dealt with it until mm-hmm. i became a parent and then a lot of things came up like mm-hmm. you know maybe something around like like yeah. violence and you know i thought i healed from that i thought like i dealt with it but now it's mm-hmm. my two-year-old hit is bringing up some things in me mm-hmm. um and there's some more growth that needs to happen yeah. there. Yeah. Um, it's a continued growth, right? You might have healed then and it might have healed a layer, but now it's kind of taking you deeper. It's or forcing you to look deeper and yes. to take the next step of the dream of that part of you that might need a little more work. And like you said, we're on a journey. So, you know, we have these things of us that we may have to like revisit and that's okay. And it's, yeah. it's listening to that revisiting and saying, okay, I need to pay attention to this. Otherwise I'm just going to keep passing down some of the stuff that wasn't so helpful for me as a kid um, to my kids. And then that thing gets passed down. Like you said, like we're not just parenting our children, but our children's children, children's children. I mean, we're, I mean, that's, that's the reality as a parent is we are, it's not just now that the ripple effects we will have. um, It it continues to go (laughs) um, down the next generations. And it's a, it's a big call. Um, and I know that's a lot of the work that you're doing, man. You're really trying to equip parents with practical tools, practical tips, practical things to kind of get to these deeper issues um, in a very short way. And that's something else I love about your t- your videos um, outside the hand-washing one. Um, but there's a lot of great ones that really are, you know, I, I think of the one with the belt, you know, hitting the hitting one, you know, the generations with your grandfather and the dad and kind of how that, that generational stuff gets passed down and, and kind of what it started from. And, you know, uh, for some people it might be a hard video to watch cause it's like, they see the, you know, the hurt, but it's like, no, but that's real. And where did it come from? And you also go to, and this is the thing too, I, I work with clients and you tell me, but is sometimes acknowledging that what grandpa did, he did he he used the tools he that he had yeah the best that he knew how yeah often 
Um, I'm talking good intention parents for the most yeah. part. Yeah. Um, not understanding maybe how that might, the negative impacts, right? Because 100 years ago is different than today, what we know now. Part of his healing is accepting that maybe my dad or parents did the best uh, they did with the tools they had and what was societally acceptable at the time or culturally acceptable at the time. And here's why I'm doing it differently and why I need to do it differently. So it's not demonizing the parent, but like acknowledging, yeah, this is what they did. This stuff is not okay, but I still love them and I think respect them and here's what I'm doing differently and here's why I'm doing it differently, right? I'm not sure what you, what you have to say about that. Yeah, no, I know. It, and that can be really tough situation for a lot of parents because, you know, it's a, a def, and also definitely depending on the situation, right? Depending because on the situation. situation right. Clearly. And grandparents Clearly. are different. And, right, you right, know, right. that person, you know, we talked about it takes a village. I'm a big believer that like family, especially like immediate family, really kind of should be a part of that village. Hopefully mm-hmm. can be part of the, the village. And, you know, um, I know, a lot of people struggle when they don't have that village and where they don't have someone else to kind of help support other than, you know, the, the immediate parents of the children. Um, and they also struggle with like, okay, like I want you to watch my, you know, child for the day so that I can take a break and take care of myself so I can be a present parent. But I'm also anxious because and fearful that you might treat my child the way that I was treated growing up. And so, you know, there's a certain level of of, of healing or growth that I need you to have Mm -hmm. as a grandparent for me to feel safe putting Mm -hmm. my children with you. And, And that's just like... Right. Very much a, a right. discretionary type, like you got to weigh 100%. the pros and cons and, and you know, right. where is your grandparent at in their, you know, journey. Totally. And I've been yeah. reading, especially over the past few days, I've been able to read some um, really uh, just heartwarming stories of gentle grandparents who mm. maybe they were, you know, when they were a parent, they were uh, maybe used harsher methods, methods mm. that were the norm. And I would right. even say right. Right. a harsher, like kind of like spanking is still the norm. But even more so the norm then. It was, some of it was like, this is what was kind of taught. Well, um, yeah, if you're not like back then, if you're not spanking your child, then there's something wrong? wrong with you. Like you're, right. you're a, like a bad parent. Like how could you not? Right. And so... You know, and, and now, you know, and I, what I was saying is like, I think that it's still normalized now, but definitely not as much as it was, hmm. you know, decades ago. Um, and I've been able to read stories about parents learning about something or learning about like the shred, like the, the you know, strategies that are more normalized today in terms of, you know, validating emotions and being mm. able to like guide them and healthy communication strategies and how to problem solve and just different ways of just seeing behavior and, and, and meeting and teaching them to meet their own needs. And a mm. lot of grandparents are actually really interested and excited to learn because this yeah. was not available to them yeah. or nearly as accessible to them. Right. As it is now. Now yeah. it's it's every you know you can get free content like you can get free advice mm-hmm. everywhere. Now it may not be you know the advice is often very general because on social right. media and it may not be particular to you and you may have to kind right. of vet it with with other information. Totally, but that opportunity wasn't even there for it wasn't most of our our parents no. and especially you know grandparents no. and you know and so I'm very optimistic 
that people can say all the negative things about social media. And yeah, while there are some definitely some cons that happen on social media, I've talked about some here in just terms of how we see the oh, you know totally. perfection and whatever. There are also a lot of it's also it's a powerful tool that we can use to grow. And I would say, you know, I think evolve when you use the word Mm -hmm. i think that like social media can really help us evolve as a human race and i think part of that evolving as a human race has to start with the way that we you know grow and we raise children in you know to not be as you know reactive to be more responsive um, yeah and in growing them up in in environment helping them raising them in environments where the cultures now we're not out mm. there i don't we're not here yet but like whole cultures approach behavior with non-judgmental curiosity and you mm. know when you you know mess up or make a mistake like we see it as your person who may need to be supported or helped or we kind of see the underlying things that led you to this this action so that you don't mm. repeat behavior the behavior again yeah. um and so, yeah, I know I probably yeah. went off on a little bit of a tangent. No, 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 but. it's great. No, it's great, Chaz. And I think I agree with you. And, and you're right. Like, obviously, you know, if you're if you're a grandparent or parent, you know, if they're still engaging in kind of unhelpful actions or behaviors of parenting, like, yeah, I'm not saying go and drop your kids off, but it's more trying to have the perspective understanding of here's the context to which they came out of, you know, and because we are we are also in the context and what we're coming out of and what shapes us for better, for worse. Ah, good point. Uh, imagine like two, three generations from now <laughs> and, you know, like yeah. where we've gone, like some generations where at mass, like people have been kind of gentle, conscious, respectful, whatever parenting and people have more, you know, children grow up with, and I'm already starting to see it. Like children mm-hmm. definitely having way more skills to, to work through challenges right. than what my generation and definitely generations mm-hmm. before have. And, and I would even say sometimes kids have better mm-hmm. skills than adults, you know, mm-hmm. kids with not fully formed brains, like they're learning the skills and are able to navigate their emotions than a lot of oh, adults. Totally. And I just imagine, like, I wonder as, as we're breaking these cycles, if four generations from now, some, you know, a child's like, how could you yell at me so much? Like, mm you would yell at me like that's not the way that you could you could communicate your feelings in other ways and and maybe in ways that we're talking about like spanking now yeah because yeah totally you know we're not we're talking you know we're talking about spanking and i think at least kind of in this space it's something that like like hey like there's a lot of empathy of how like you could get to that point and how you could end up doing that um Mm. end up spanking your child you know when people start to like spank like with the hand like, oh, this is so much better because I'm not using a weapon. You know, I'm not using mm. a belt or a wooden spoon. And so, like, what I'm doing is so much more progressive and better for them, right? And then it was like, okay, well, it's okay. Not, it's not about just spanking, but make sure when you're spanking, don't be angry. Like, be regulated when you when when you hit them when you spank them. And then it's like, okay, so we've. And then, and then it's move forward. It's like, okay, well, instead of hitting them, just isolate them and, you know, send them to the room or put them in the corner with their head down and call them bad and sit on a naughty step or naughty mm-hmm. tool and make sure like, you kind of verbally and psychologically, like, get to them. Yeah. Like, you don't need to physically hit them, verbally and psychologically get to them. That's how you can punish them. 
Mm. And now it's like, okay, well, maybe the verbal and psychological like manipulation also isn't helpful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how can we, you know, cooperate mm. and you know build connection and, and, and use all of the science that we have been researching um, about parenting and about strategies and about mental health and how mm-hmm. can we apply that to parenting and okay so how now we have some other tools and some other skills and, right. and, and I imagine as, as time goes by we're going to our child rearing is it's going to become more and more refined we're going to be improving right it's not about mm-hmm. being perfect every day it's about improving every day i think about this not just on a micro scale of us as individuals but on a macro scale as us as you know communities right as as, as humans mm-hmm. and as we're researching more and learning about more and, and more stuff is becoming based on brain science and mm-hmm. polyvagal theory and things like that um I'm I'm excited for the generation. Like I'm ex- like I want to be. I I want to be looked down on. I, I I want to be like judged or whatever or like how could you do that? Like back like I want to like some of the progressive things that like we were doing we were doing now. Like I want them to look back at what we're doing now and be like we can do so much better than that. Um, sure. I, I want that, like, you know, and, and I think a lot of people, um, you know, you, you grow up and, you know, maybe you did the parenting, you do the best you could with the skills, knowledge, resources, and everything you have. And, you know, their child grows up and they say, like, I want to do some things better. Hmm. Like, I would almost take that as a compliment. Um, totally. Yeah. Because that says like that, that improving, like that improving is still continuing and is still going. And even if that person, and if, the, and, and if your child, if you're a grand, a gentle, or maybe not so gentle grandparent or not yet a gentle grandparent yet, you're listening to this, know that the mistakes that you made as a parent, that was a central part of the learning process. Yes. You may have hurt your child and they may still be hurt by your adult child. Who's now an adult. Mm-hmm. And, to know that although it may feel uncomfortable and your instincts probably pull you away from it because again, the way you were raised and you've been doing things a certain way for a long period of time for decades, but the power of acknowledging that you messed up, made a mistake Mm. and to say you're sorry for it and that you will try to do better moving forward. Like as, as, as you know, community members, have been saying and been kind of sending messages about this, about parents, their parents who have done It's like, it's a complete game changer. You know, totally. people think like, I would never, like, I never thought that I could, like my relationship with my parents could ever be repaired mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. they owned up mm-hmm. what they did that yeah. hurt me, mm-hmm. apologized and, and made efforts to do better, you know, as a, to learn, better to to be yeah. open to it at least. And so I think that's powerful like all the way like just in, in oh, wherever yeah. you are in it where you're the parent right now and like you're you're struggling to give grace to yourself or your child just know like wherever you're at like it is valuable and, and important mm-hmm. and appreciated. The power of true restoration and healing, right? For the generations is is it's it's powerful for like I can't think of another word. It's just extremely powerful. Like you said, with some of your community members, if they're able to heal with their parent, then now that's not not everyone gets that opportunity. Um, and if you don't have the opportunity to heal with your parents, you get the opportunity to heal with your kids, right? You get to 
So that's the, that's the, that's the power we have now is we may not be able to fully heal with our parents' generation. If we can, that, that's beautiful. And obviously that's the hope. That's the, I would say that's the ultimate goal is to really bring healing across generations. But if mm-hmm. we don't, if we can't go up, the minimum we can do is heal here and then give that healing to the next generation. Yes. So then they go further and they go further. And, and I know that we, you know, we don't always have that opportunity, but if we can, if we can, great, of course, like we want that, but minimum, you can work on yourself as a dad, as a man, as a parent now to heal, understand yourself, to then give that gift to your kids in the next generation. So, um, let's talk about being a, a, a man though. And it's, you mentioned that, you mentioned that. Thanks for joining and listening today. Please leave a comment and review the show. Dads are tough, but not tough enough to do this fatherhood thing alone.